You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. Thank you, Lord. Let's just give it up for Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you on this Mother's Day, Jesus. Praise God. All the men can sit. I want the moms to remain standing. Can we just honor the women and the mothers of God in the house today? We honor you. We love you. We bless you. We thank you for your sacrifice. Come on, just receive that honor. Just receive that honor today. Amen. Thank God for your life. Where would we be without mothers in the earth? Some of us would be dead on the side of a road if it wasn't for the mamas who prayed for us. But I also want to honor the leaders, the, uh, uh, the pastor Landon, that he allows women voices from the pulpit. Can we thank God for men that are making space for women to preach, to teach, to prophesy, to lay hands on the sick? something so powerful about this house and so we honor you uh, uh pastor lynn and all the leaders in this house you know this is family for us and i honor my husband will ford because i can't do what i do without a husband who gives me permission to burn for the lord he gives me permission to burn for the lord so i'm so grateful for mercy culture church you know, a couple of years ago, before we decided, I didn't know we were going to be in Dallas. I mean, in Fort Worth. I was flying back from preaching, and I remember when I uh, uh, landed in Fort Worth, I heard the Lord say, welcome home. And I said, what are you saying, welcome home? And then I came to church here, and Pastor Les Cody walked up to me, and he says, the Lord says, welcome home. And it was not after that God brought us here to this house. So we feel like this is truly family, and we feel we are home. So today, I'm going to be preaching a message. I preached it at Mark Conference, but I felt the Lord say, I want you to go back and preach it again. I'm the type of preacher, I never like to preach something twice, but the Lord said, I want you to preach it again because there's something that I want to even release over the men in this house today. So this message that I'm bringing is not just for the women, amen? So you can text, text notes to the number on the screen. Uh, today, if I had to title this message, I would call this message, The Weepers Shall Become the Reapers. The Weepers Shall Become the Re Reapers. And I'm going to be sharing from Jeremiah 9, 1 through 17, but I'm gonna read from Jeremiah 1 through 4. It says this, Oh, that my head were like waters, and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for those slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, that I had in the des desert a traveler's lodge, so that I might leave my people and go away from them, for all of them are adulterers, an assembly of treacherous people. They bend their bows, their tongues like bows to tell lies, and truth do not prevail in their land. They proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, declares the Lord. Everyone be on guard against his neighbor and do not trust any brother. Because every brother, brother utterly betrays his neighbor. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for this message today. I don't just 
invite you in the room, but we give you the room. Holy Spirit, help me to get out of the way. No one came to hear me, but they came to hear you. Lord, I ask that you would use my mouth, Lord. You would use this message, God. And we give you all of the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I am a mom of two boys. How many boy moms in the house? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I have two boys, and they are fiery. They are passionate. They keep me young. They keep me on my toes. Uh, and recently, I told my oldest son, I said, honey, I don't want you playing the video game because he had, he was, you know, we're saying all electronics. We're not going to do electronics for a season. And I'm on my way to the laundry room, and what's the first thing I hear? The video game. So I walk in the room and I said, are you playing that video game? Okay, I might have said, child, are you playing that video game? I didn't quite say it like, you know, the first time. And he's like, oh. And he immediately starts crying. And not like that kind of crying, like, but like, the, you know, that heathen crying. And I'm like, oh my God, I've done such a good job as a mom. Because the moment I start to discipline him, he feels conviction. So then I say, oh, sweetie, are you feeling bad about what you did? And he looks at me with those beautiful brown eyes. Moms, don't, and dads, don't look in their eyes, right? Just try to turn away, right? So he's looking at me and he says, mom, can I still have that ice cream? And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you're not crying because you got caught. You're not crying because of what you did. You're crying because you can't have that ice cream. Or you're crying because you can't go to that party. Or you're crying. Come on, moms, you know what I'm talking about, right? Can I submit to you that's what's happening in Jeremiah 9? The nation in Jeremiah 9, the nation is under God's judgment because of its idolatry. And the turning away of the heart towards the Lord. The people, there is no lament and the people refuse to acknowledge their sin. They're more concerned about what they're about to lose than the state of their hearts. They're more concerned about their losses and their houses laying in ruin than they are over the fact that their hearts are not towards the Lord. So Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah 9, like I just read to you, it starts off with Jeremiah in this place of lamenting because of the state of the nation. He's in such a place of weeping and longing that he's longing to produce more tears. But the people, they're not crying over their sin, they're crying over their stuff. Let me take a few minutes to just paint to you a picture of how far the people's hearts were removed from the Lord. It says that the people, when they would go in verse 5, they would deceive every one of their neighbors in conversation and lying words. Any kind of business transaction that the people had was built on falsehood. They were liars. They were deceitful. They were manipulators. They refused to acknowledge God. And they went from evil to evil and invented new ways to do evil. If Paul the apostle 
would address the people in Jeremiah's day. He would read from them from Romans 1, verse 28 to 32, where it says, And just as they did not fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a depraved mind to do things that were not proper. People having been filled with unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, and evil, and envy, murderous strife. This is, this is the list. Deceitful, malice, gossipers, slanderers. Uh, they were arrogant. They were boastful, inventors of evil. And they practiced whatever they desired. They practiced whatever they desired. So if Paul were to address them, he would most likely preach to them from Romans 1, verse 28 through 32. So we see Jeremiah the prophet, he's known as the weeping prophet, and he's in this place of longing, and he's refusing to be comforted. He's refusing to be comforted. Jeremiah 6.14 says this, they dress the wounds of my people as though it were not serious, and they say peace, peace, where there is no peace. So Jeremiah is saying, in other words, I'm longing to produce more tears, and no one can talk me out of my intercession. Have you ever been in a season? How many intercessors are in the room? That should be everybody's hand should be raised. Have you ever been in a season in your life where God is gripping your heart over your own state of sin? Where God is gripping your heart over your nation. Maybe it's over abortion. Maybe it's over justice issue. Maybe it's over human trafficking. Maybe it's over whatever it is, racism. And you're in this place of groaning. And when I say groaning, I mean crying out to God in repentance. This is the type of groan I'm talking about today. And you're in this place of weeping. And you have some well-meaning person or maybe some religious person, and they come along and they say, you know, Pastor Matt, you don't really need to cry over that. You don't really need to groan over that. You just need to calm down. You just need to have a little bit more peace. You don't really need to be convicted over sin. You don't really need to cry about the ending of abortion. Oh, you don't really need to go to Austin and stand in the gap for a bill to SB 14. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. Give it up for Jesus. Come on, give it up for Jesus. Because of your prayers. Because of your intercession. Because of your ability to, to run in the middle of the plague. Oh, you don't need to do all that mercy culture. You can just chill and play it safe. Jeremiah is saying, I refuse to have a false comfort. He was refusing to have a false comfort. He's in this place of weeping. Now, what I want to paint today to you in this room, in Jeremiah, there's two groups of women. There's two groups of women. Both groups are weeping, but God is only going to respond to one group. Jeremiah 9, 17, it says, The God of heaven's armies says, consider and call forth the mourning women that they may come and send for the skillful women that they may come, have them hurry and take up a wailing for us so that our eyes may shed tears and our eyelids flow with water. So Jeremiah 9, 17, God, the God of heaven's armies is announcing himself as a war general. He's announcing himself as a military leader in response to where the nation is 
And his response is to call forth a group of mourning women. Why in the world would God, as a war general, he says the God of heaven's armies, call forth tears as a response? Wouldn't you think a war general would call maybe another military leader to respond to the nation? It would be like as if our military were invaded in America and they say, you know what we're going to do as a response? We're going to go and we're going to hire all of the housewives and we're going to pay them and we're going to put them on CNN and Fox News and we're going to have them cry on national TV so the nation can know what's happening. That's exactly the picture we're seeing here. God calls this army or this, this, this tribe of women to weep as a response because he could not get a groan out of the nation. He couldn't get a response. So who are this first group of women? I'm going to talk about two groups. The first group of women, they were called mourners. They were professional mourners. In Eastern funerals, they would hire professional mourners to weep loudly to arouse the people. They were often hired by wealthy people to mourn the death of someone in high honor. They would walk about the, the funeral with, with uh, making loud sounds and groans and cries and shrills and screams. Their hair was all disheveled, their clothes were torn, and they would literally place paint on their face and just looked completely, it looked like a circus, I'll just say that. And they would walk about crying and making loud sounds to uh, cause people to have an emotional response. We find these professional mourners in Mark 5:38 when Jairus' daughter died. It says in verse 38, they arrived at Jairus' house where Jesus saw the confusion and he heard all the loud crying and wailing. He went in and he said to them, why all this confusion? Why all this confusion? Why are you crying? The child is not dead. She's only sleeping. And immediately they started making fun of him. Who started making fun of him? These weeping women started making fun of Jesus. Can I ask you something? How can you go from weeping in one breath to mocking God in the next breath? I'll tell you how, how, because these were professional mourners. They could turn on the tears and they could turn off the tears. They were faking it. <laughs> Say they were faking it. You know, uh, we see Jesus, though, in John 11, verse 33, Jesus, when he comes to Lazarus' house, he sees Jesus is seeing the people weeping. It was the professional mourners because Lazarus had died. Jesus was moved deeply in his spirit, and Jesus wept. See, no one can release more of a groan than Jesus. He is our great high priest. He is our inner one who lives to make intercession for us. So he sets the standard in this verse. Thank you for that, Pastor Matt. I stole it from you. <laughs> so these professional mourners were so good at what they did in the time of Christ, they would take something called a lacamentary, and this is what I have in my hand right here. It's a small glass bottle. We got this from Jerusalem. And what they would do during the funeral procession, they would walk about the city, and they would weep into the glass bottle, I almost lost my eyelash. Jesus, help me. <laughs> Lord, keep it on. Not at this conference. I mean, not at this church today. Not today. Not today. Not today. 
Sometimes I just rip them off. Pastor Matt says, now I want you to be yourself. I'm like, if I'm myself, my, my lashes are coming off, my shoes are coming off, and thank God this is not a wig or that would come off too. <laughs> so they would walk about the city and they would weep into the glass bottle and get this, whoever would weep the most, sometimes they would get paid the most. So whoever pr could produce more tears could get paid the most. And I began to study this out. And I said, Lord, I need you to help me here. How is it that you would call forth professional mourners to represent your heart? Why would you do that, God? And here's what I believe the Lord said to me. He said to Haviland, sometimes when I can't get a true groan from my people, a true cry of repentance, I'll allow a false cry as an indictment on the church because I can't get a real cry. So I'll allow what's fake and I'll settle on my own heart because the people of God will not respond to me. So God has to settle on his own heart because he can't get a cry from the body of Christ in the earth realm. Can you imagine being God? No, we can't. And he's like, is there anybody weeping over abortion? Is there anybody weeping over human trafficking? So he'll allow something fake, something, a false lament because he can't get a real lament. Can you imagine that? You know, archaeologists, when they were uh, 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 digging in the ground in Israel, they found several of these glass bottles. And we know in Psalm 56, 8, David prayed. He says to the Lord, you have taken account of my wanderings. You put my tears in a bottle and all of them are written in your book. So they took something holy and they made it unholy. I want to settle this today. This first group of women are not God's first choice. This is God having to settle it's like you want that girlfriend, but you can't get her, so you end up dating someone you don't even like. So you settle. You settle for second best because you can't get what you really want. You understand. Come on, men. You know what that's like. You're crying out to God, and you're like, okay, you just end up settling because you give in to the pressure, right? So not that God settled in a sense. Because he allowed these, he said, I'm going to call these professional mourners. Because God could not get a lament. God could not get repentance from his people. So, how about now? How about the 21st century? How are we seeing a false lament? How are we seeing professional mourners in our generation? I'm going to read the list to you of what I believe some of the false groans that are coming up right now from the earth and when I read this list, I want to say before I read this list, I want to lean into awkward. That's what you guys say around here. And when I read this list, my heart is not against the people because our fight is not with flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. So as I read through this list, I want you as a mother to hear my heart as I read through this list. So what are the false groans coming up from the earth right now? What are the false laments, the false cries that we're seeing displayed on the television sets, that we're seeing displayed in the culture? 
So the first lament, I mean, there's several laments, but I'm going to go through a few of them. The first lament is the pro-choice movement. We see cries from women and men, unfortunately, and some that want to be women, unfortunately, for the right to kill babies. Up to nine months, up to nine months, and even outside the womb. Now, God have mercy on the women. God loves the women. But can I tell you that Planned Parenthood, <laughs> they made $1.2 billion in total revenue, and 90% of their income came from abortions. They don't care about the emotional trauma of a mother. They don't care about the emotional trauma of women. You know why they don't care about the emotional trauma of women? Here's why. Because somebody is getting paid. Just like the paid actors, somebody's weeping, somebody's crying, and somebody's making some kind of money. And a whole nation is falling under unsanctified mercy and charismatic, sympathetic witchcraft. Somebody is getting paid. Let's talk about, well, let's talk about SB 14. Because you guys saw a breakthrough. You saw a breakthrough through your prayers. And not just your prayers, but the fact that you showed up in the middle of the crisis. The trans movement. You know, it's funny to me how when it comes to this, we somehow get kind of quiet in the church and we just don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And we put a muzzle on our mouth. And we're more concerned about people's feelings all the while we hurt the Lord's heart. We break the Lord's heart. We crush his heart because we refuse to speak up on the things he's calling us to speak up on. Are we going to be concerned about God's heart? Are we going to be concerned about people's feelings that change from one day to the next? One day we feel a certain way, and then the next day we don't feel that way. Anymore. Feelings change. God never changes. Feelings shift. One day I'm happy, one day I'm sad. We can't live by everything we feel. We've got to get out of that mindset. I'm going to live how I feel. I'm going to do as I will. We want to have the feelings of his heart. What he's weeping over in the culture, what he's groaning over in the earth realm. Is there anybody willing to groan over the things that his heart is groaning over, that his heart is burning for? Oh, Jesus, our great intercessor, our great high priest is weeping between the porch and the altar, living to make intercession for us. So the trans movement. God loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. That so whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But just in the state of Texas, there was a man who decided to be a dragon. So he had his nose cut off, his ears cut off, and he had horns implanted, implanted in his head. $60,000 in a surgery. One day that man's going to wake up and he's going to say, my God, what have I done to myself? Do you think those doctors care about that man? No, they don't care about that man because somebody's getting paid off of the pain of somebody else's trauma and somebody else's brokenness and somebody else's identity issues. (laughs) 
Where's my Pastor Jasmine at? She told me at the women's conference and Pastor Esther, they said to Haviland, we want you to know we got your back. Pastor Maggie, Pastor Heather, Pastor Vanessa, we got your back. So if anything goes down, we with you. So I feel a little bit comfortable in this house because I know I got a group of women who got my back. <laughs> Kathy, Melanie, I know you have Hannah, you got my back. So what I'm going to say next, I need, your, I need, your, I need my, your backing in prayer. So BLM, everybody's talking about it. We love the black community. We love our people. I'm not anybody's token. I want to settle that right here. But I refuse, refuse to allow an organization to pimp the pain of a people. All in the name of justice. All in the name of rights. God is coming to visit the black community with revival, with fire, and with outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There will be another William Seymour and beyond. So how is somebody getting paid? $80 million off of the death. Now whether we believe it was legitimate pain or not, no organization has the right to make money off of someone else's pain. $80 million. $6 million in homes while 410 cities burned down in America because somebody was getting pain off of the pain of somebody else. Somebody was making some kind of money. God have mercy on America. God have mercy on us. I believe true justice is coming. True justice is going to come. People that have the fear of the Lord. God's going to make the wrong things right. So let's talk about, I want to talk about Bud Light. Can we talk about Bud Light? We can talk about Bud Light. Come on, men. Are the men feeling this in the room? Because somebody didn't get paid because the stocks dropped. Somebody didn't get paid because a group of men said, not on our watch. <laughs> Not that you need to be drinking. You put that Bud Light down in the name of Jesus. Don't let me find no Bud Light cans in your bedroom or we're going to do an altar call right now. So, but you're saying, well, De Havilland, that's just the world and that's just what the world does. You're, okay, let's talk about the church actors. Can we talk about it? I think we can talk about it. Everybody else is talking about it. What about the church actors, the paid actors in the church that are adopting these laments and they're feeding it to the body of Christ, almost pushing it down our throats. And it's unsanctified mercy is what it is. And they're, they're saying, oh, well, you know, you're just, you're, you're just not, you're not tolerant. You're not, you're not, you're not feeling God's heart. And they're taking these limits. You know why they're taking these limits? I believe because they won't shed a tear. They won't get on their face and prioritize their life and say, Lord, whatever you want to change in me. They won't build an altar so they'll settle for a false cry because they don't want to put the work in. And because somebody's getting paid. Let's keep it real in the church and the house of God today. 
So God is coming to deal with his body. Here's the thing. The reality and the indictment was never on the false justice movement. The reality and the indictment was never on the professional mourners. The reality was God wanted a second Chronicles 714 moment. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and they would pray, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. God is saying, if my people, it was always about his people. It was always about his heart for his people. It was always about a groan from his people that he's always wanted. You don't think he's coming for an inve- uh, uh, to, to inspect fruit? You don't think he's coming for his bride? He's coming for his bride. Men and women. So God had to settle. Because this war, it's on women. It's on mothers. When we don't even know what a woman is in the 20s, how do we not know what a woman is? Only women can birth babies. Sorry. Only women can birth children. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Don't you dare get caught up in a false lament. I'm not talking about not caring about justice. I'm not talking about not caring about racism. I'm not talking about not caring about these things. I'm talking about any movement that deliberately takes Jesus out of the narrative is an antichrist spirit. I'm talking about an antichrist, a spirit that says we don't want God. We don't want God's ways. We don't want to do it God's way. We want to do it our way. I'm talking about God coming to deal with an antichrist spirit. And let me tell you something else. If you don't recognize it now, you're going to have a hard time recognizing as things get worse. If you can't see it now, you're going to have a hard time seeing it as the earth begins to... Because you'll just buy into anything the media tells you. And you'll check your discernment at the door all in the name of being a relevant church. And here's the thing, social media, you are getting on my nerves. I've had enough of you. I'm telling you I'm tired of you. You have woken a mother up and I'm going to tell you all you false prophets on social media, you need to repent in the name of Jesus. I've had enough of you, says the Lord. I put God's name on it. You're getting on my nerves. You know why you're getting on my nerves? Because you're getting on God's nerves. Because you're discipling a whole generation into foolishness and manipulation. And you're not teaching them about holiness. And you're not teaching them about righteousness. You're teaching them if you have a hashtag, you have power. If you can speak in tongues a little bit. Oh, if you can just have a nice graphic. And you can dress it up, then you'll be relevant. But let a demon come in your room at night. First thing you're doing is hiding under your couch. (laughs) Hiding under your bed. I don't care about your hashtag. You better have power. You better get in the Bible and read the word of God for yourself. Because holiness is still right. (laughs) Holiness is still right. Holiness is still right. It's still right. He is still right. He's still Jesus. He's coming for an investment. Holiness is still right. It's still right to live a holy life. And I'm not talking about weakness. God loves us in our weakness. I'm 
talking about saying, how much can I do? How much can I do and get away with it and still call it God? God is coming to cleanse his house. He's already happened and we've seen the shaking. He loves us so much. He's not going to leave us the way we are. So you women on social media, Pastor, this is all your fault. You told me to be myself. You too, Pastor Jasmine. You too, Pastor S. Stop shaking everything online. We don't want to see it. Keep it to yourselves. Men of God, stop looking. May the fear of the Lord come and baptize you. All right, let's get to my point. My husband's, here we go. No, we got to have the fear of the Lord, guys. We got to be able to separate the holy from the profane, the fake from the real. God loves the world. He loves the world. How about the lament to have a king that's not King Jesus? I mean, I'm all for righteous leaders in government. We need to have righteous leaders in office. But don't replace them with Jesus because there's only one man named Jesus. I don't know if I was going to get the same kind of applause, but Jesus is Jesus. And every man be a liar. He does use righteous leaders. We must have righteous leaders so that SBV 14 can pass. But don't replace them and make them an idol. Because we saw how that worked out. All right. So Jeremiah 9.20. So we saw the false, 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 false lamenters. That God was the one who called as an indictment. Because the nation would not weep. That's, let's, that's settled. So in Jeremiah 9.20, there's another group of women. Who are these women? In Jeremiah 9.20, there's a group of mothers in the land. How do I know they're mothers? I'm going to read this to you. It says in verse 19, a voice is heard from Zion. Now hear the word of the Lord, you women. Let your ears receive the word of his mouth. Teach your daughters a wailing. Teach your what? Daughters. He's talking to mothers right here. And every woman teach her neighbor a song of mourning. For death has come up through our windows. It has entered our palaces to eliminate our children from the streets and the young men from the public squares. So Jeremiah 9, it's as if God said professional mourners won't do the job. This group of women had been touched with grief. They're not paid actors. They're, they have lost something. Some of them lost their children. Some of them lost their husband because of the siege. These women have suffered loss, and therefore their hearts are tender. And they're attentive to hearing God's voice. They're attentive to being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. There's something about women and men, but I'm going to address women here, where we're very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it takes our husbands a little bit longer to get it. But they get it. They do get it. But women are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. These women are being sensitive because of what they suffered. They've been through some pain. They've been through some loss. And God of heaven's armies, and God is saying, you women, you mothers, you daughters in the land, I want you to hear the word of the Lord. What is the word of the Lord? Here's the word of the Lord. Teach your daughters. Teach your neighbor a lament. And when I read this, I said, Lord, what does this mean for us for now? He said to Havlin, I am not raising up people in this hour who will hand the next generation a fluffy gospel. 
a commercialized gospel, a gospel that tickles ears. I'm not going, God can't afford to do that. He paid too great a price. He's raising up women and men that are going to hear God's voice through daily encounters, through corporate encounters. I have to put that in there. And they're going to now teach the next generation the response that God is looking for. In other words, they get to get it right. Mercy culture, you get to get it right. Not only are they going to teach them, they're going to hand them a burning torch. And they're going to give them permission to go after God with their whole heart. They're going to teach them about repentance. Do you know repentance is good? Confession of sin is good. 30 years almost in ministry, and I, I'm always saying, Lord, search me. Search my heart. Is there anything in me? Remove it. I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm on this path. God, show me your ways. So they're going to teach these daughters are going to teach the next generation. They're going to commission them to hear the word of the Lord. They're going to commission them to walk in the fear of the Lord because these women had suffered something. I call these women in Jeremiah 9.20 the praying mamas. Can I tell you how grateful I am for a praying mama? How many of you had a praying mama? Raise your hand. Just thank them. Just say, thank you, mom. Thank you, mom. You didn't understand at the time, but they were on their knees. I just read a story of a woman. Her, her son is actually a minister in Texas. She went to the doctor, and the doctor said, ma'am, do you realize all the cart cartilage in your knees are gone? And he says, did you play football? I mean, she's like in her 70s. She's like, no, I don't play football. What is this? <laughs> he said, your knees, all the cart." She goes, that's because I'm a praying mama. I prayed for my son. I prayed for him out of the clubs. I prayed for him when he was on drugs. I prayed for him out of homosexuality, whatever it is. And because of that, it showed in her knees. That's the power of a praying woman and a praying man. So she prayed, praying mother. I'm going to tell my testimony. For years, I never liked sharing my testimony. And the Lord said to me, DeHavon, when you don't tell your story, you rob me of my glory. Because I didn't want people feeling sorry for me. But the Lord began to rebuke me about not sharing my story. I was born in 1978. During the drug wave that hit New York. I'm from New York. Any New Yorkers in the house? Come on, New York. So I, I, <laughs> so I got saved. I'm in 1978. My parents were on drugs. And I was born in what you call during the drug wave that hit New York. It hit the suburbs, but it had a different face to it. And both my parents fell prey to the drug wave. My mother named me Angela Cornish. That was the name my mother gave me. And then, at the age of three, I went to my first foster care home. I was sent down the stream of the foster care system. The reason why I call the foster care system a stream is because I believe, just like with Moses, I was sent down that stream of uncertainty, but God had a better plan. So I was sent down the stream of the foster care system. And when I went into my first home, it was a home of the family named Rock. Chris Rock, he's a very famous comedian in Hollywood. I live with the Rock family. I was Angela Rock. So I was, his mother brought me in as a, a foster kid. And I lived there for several years. You know the slap guy in LA? <laughs> Bless Chris. So I was Angela Rock, Angela Cornish, and then adopted mom at the age of eight. She says, I'm gonna change your name. 
I went into a new home, and she said, I'm going to change your name. And I said, why are you going to do that? Because I was called by three different names. What would you do if you didn't know who you, you were called by three different names? So I went to court, and I remember seven, eight years old sitting in the courtroom. And as I'm sitting in the courtroom, an identity crisis hit me at this age. And, huh? Oh, I had my name changed to De Havilland. My husband, thank you for reminding me of that. And I said, what? she said, I'm going to change your name to De Havilland. I said, to who? De what? De why? Because at that time, I was from the Boogie Down Bronx, and I just didn't want to have that kind of name. <laughs> I'm just playing. So she changes my name to De Havilland, and I'm going to bring it back to women. I'm in the courtroom, and from the ages of 7 to 17, I went to the world, and I said, would somebody please tell me who I am? I went to the club scene, but I couldn't dance, so that didn't work out. I went to the drug scene, but I saw what drugs did to my parents, so that didn't work out. So I found myself lost, broken, and busted on a park bench, sleeping, come on now, in the streets in New York, sleeping on this bench. 17 years old, and I'm on the bench, lost. And a friend of the family, that I, my, a friend of my family who was a praying mother, came and found me on the bench. And she said, to Helen, what are you doing on the bench? She said, what are you doing here? You don't belong on this bench. She began to prophesy over me, and I didn't even know what prophecy was. And she said, you know what? You're coming home with me. And she snatched me off that bench. And it was, oh, come on. Praying mothers are dangerous. My husband said, the only difference between a praying mama and a pit bull is lipstick. Because they'll bind Jezebel all the way from here to Africa. There's dangerous about a praying mama. They're dangerous. So she snatched me off the bench. She brought me in her house. And I remember when I came in her house, this is 1997. She had, she was playing Ron Cannoli. Any old saints in the building? Come on, we know Ron Cannoli. And she had wallpapers all over her walls. And I noticed something strange about the wallpaper. It had oil all over the walls. I didn't realize this, but intercessors would take oil and throw it on the walls. Unfortunately, she didn't know, she used Crisco. So she took the Crisco, and I mean, you could literally fry chicken on the walls. She would be praying, oh God, rescue this generation, praying through the house. And this praying mama led me to the Lord in 1997. Come on, give it up for Jesus. Give it up for Jesus. She led me to the Lord. And years later, I would go to serve at the International House of Prayer on Mike Bickle, Night Watch, Kansas City, Love, IHOP. And as I was there, I met a pilot. And I met this pilot, and he said, Helen, do you realize what your name means? And I said, which name? He said, do you realize what your name means? He said, Helen, I need to tell you this story because I need you to know who you are. He said, during World War II, there were these planes that were built called the de Havilland Bombers. He said, but the Defense Department did not believe in the design of the planes. He said, instead of giving metal to make the plane, they gave wood to make the planes. He said, but these planes, became, because of the wood, these planes were, became some of the fastest planes in World War II. He said to Haaland, what these planes would do is go late at night into Germany where Hitler would be building his camps and they would go completely under the radar and they would soar in and where Hitler would be building his camps, these planes would drop bombs and annihilate Hitler's camps. 
He said into Havilland, because of the wood, these planes could go fly high, high, high. And because of the wood, it was, it, was, it was able to soar at this height. And they would drop bombs and take out what Hitler was doing. And as he's speaking, the Lord said to me, to Havilland, do you realize that I'm the God who named you? I'm the God who names people. I'm the God who framed you. I'm the God who saved you through the wood of my cross. And I called you to fly with me and drop bombs of intercession in your generation. I am the God who named you. I am the God who framed you. I am the God who saved you. But I want to submit to you mothers and men in this house. There is a young person. There is a movement on a park bench in America waiting for you to get up out of your seat and walk to that bench of Planned Parenthood and walk to that bench of an abortion clinic and walk to that bench and say, you don't belong here. You're coming with me. You're coming with me because we can curse the darkness all day. But God is saying, will you run to the bench of society? Will you run? Will you carry my heart? Will you carry my tears? Will you let me grip you open? She found me on the bench. She didn't have a microphone. She wasn't a platform speaker. She didn't have books. She was just a woman who had a prayer life who got a burden from God. I think we're so fixated on this. I think we're obsessed with ministry. I think we're obsessed with the pulpit. God is saying the new pulpit is outside these doors. Welcome to your pulpit. Welcome to your ministry. Welcome to your ministry. Welcome to the ministry. Because somehow we got it twisted in the church in America. Everybody wants a microphone. The new pulpit is the street, is the streets, is the Austin courthouses. Mercy Culture showed up with 200 people. And you turn that place into a church. You turn that place into an altar. And God responded, and that bill did not get passed. I feel the Holy Spirit. Well, it got passed. I'm sorry. I'm tired. Bless the Lord. That bill got passed. That bill got passed. That bill got passed. That bill got passed. And there's more bills that are going to get passed. Oh, mercy culture. God's going to deal with your enemies. You don't have to deal with them. So, praying mothers. Francis Frangipane quoted this about praying mothers and men. Because let me tell you something. Jeremiah represents the men God is looking for. The men are the bride of Christ. Don't say, well, I'm not emotional. It's not about emotionalism. I want the prayer worship team to come up. It's not about emotionalism. It's about carrying the heart of God. I'm so tired of people thinking, oh, it's just the women who cry. It's just the women who pray. No, where's the praying remnant of men in the house of God that will overthrow Jezebel? Where is the praying army of men? Come on, men. It's not about you being at a football game, knowing how to move things when you watch TV. But somehow, when you get in the house of God, you check your brain at the door. I pray a spirit of awakening. I'm speaking like a mother to come over the men of God. men it's your hour do you want your children being turned to little girls and their boys Francis Francis Payne was studying revivals and he began to study revivals he said during the Jesus people movement 
He couldn't find if there was any organized prayer concerning the Jesus people movement. He was studying. The Lord rebuked him and said, hey, there was organized prayer. There was a million praying mothers who cried out for their kids, who were on LSD and drugs, and who were smoked out in a desert somewhere. And these mothers' hearts got so gripped that they began to cry out from every denomination, from all backgrounds, in unity and desperation. And because of the groans, the crying out, the prayers of the mothers, God so heard their groans that what he did was he added much incense to their incense, and he released the Jesus people movement. He released awakening because of a groan a cry of repentance from a group of mothers that were not holding this, but they were in their prayer closet. One million mothers gathered and cried out. Can he do it again? Don't you think he wants to do it again? Say, do it again, Lord. It's not about hype and emotionalism or personality. I don't, I, you, you, who you, God's called you to be. I have to be who God's called me to be. It's about you and your heart before the living God. It doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be charismatic. It just has to say, Lord, do whatever you want to do. So God answered the groan. Now, Jeremiah 31, the, the end of Jeremiah ends with God's promises to the people. God does have redemptive purposes for his people. And as I begin to study this, the Lord says, I want to take them from weeping to reaping. Jeremiah 31, 9 ends, ends here. Ends with this, Holy Spirit, help me, Holy Spirit. With weeping they shall come, and with pleas of mercy I will lead them back. I will make them walk on brooks of water in straight paths in which they shall not stumble. Psalm 56 a says, you have kept track of all my wanderings and my weeping. You stored many of my tears in a bottle and none of them will be lost. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning or crying, for pain for the former things have passed away. Psalm 126.5 says, says this, He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing. My point is this, women and men, God's desire for the, for the weeping ones are to become the reaping ones. This last season of this house, you have wept. You have lost something. You have grieved something. But God wants to take your tears and make it a touch point for revival. In other words, your weeping has not been in vain. He wants to take your pain and make it a touch point for revival. Last year, I was sitting right where Pastor Maggie was, and I was carrying a baby in my womb. And abortion was being overturned. And I, 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 I said, Lord, this is Rachel. I've stood for the end of abortion for 20 years. This is it. This is it. And then I lost the baby. And the Lord said, I'm going to restore your tears. I'm going to make it a touch point for revival. And I believe if you're in this room and you have been to a season where it's like, God, I've been longing. I've been in this place. I don't know how to move forward. God is saying today, I want to release over you. I want to break back over you your tears and pour it down oil over you of gladness. <laughs> I want to take it and I want to tip it. I want to take it and tip it. If you're, if I want to do one altar call, well, two altar calls. If you've been here and you're saying to Havlin, this group of women and not doesn't represent me. 
this group of women, maybe you're even a man and you're saying, I know God's called me to be like a Jeremiah for my nation. I want you to stand up. If you're saying to Howland, this group of women doesn't represent me, I know I'm called to be an intercessor for America. I want you to stand up. It's not gonna be everyone, but you feel that call. You're saying, God, I, I spent the last season weeping. And God is saying, I want to turn your tears and I want to pour it as a touch point for revival. I want you to just come up right now. That's you. If you're saying, God, I want you to use me as a touch point. We're going to do two altar calls. But this is the first one. If you can lift your hands to the Lord, because God is the one who stores our tears in a bottle. He is the only one who can bring healing to our hearts. So Father, we come before you right now. Just lift your voice the way you know how. And you say, Lord, just lift your voice in your cry. Let your cry go before the Lord. It's not about a person in this room. God, I pray right now that you would take the cries of the previous season and you would turn it into a touch point. And you would bring healing to every heart that has suffered loss. That you would take the weeping that they have endured and you would turn it into reaping in this season. That their pain has not been in vain. Their pain has not been in vain. And I see the Lord washing over you, washing your tears away, washing your tears away. response the Lord says I'll restore what was stolen and I'll redeem the last season listen to me God I pray he wants to restore the last season of your life he wants to bring restoration so father I pray for restoration in this room Holy Spirit you would bring restoration to those I feel like even people who have lost mothers, you've lost your mother and your heart is just waved. Yeah, you, you said, Lord, I don't even know if I wanted to be here on Mother's Day. God is a healer of the brokenhearted. God, I pray for daughters to be healed. When you've lost your parents early, I pray for daughters to be healed in this room. God, right now, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Maybe you've even been angry with your mom and you've had resentment against your mother, God wants you to let her go. Release that pain to the Lord. Don't hold on to unforgiveness towards your mom or your dad. This is a season where God wants to show himself mighty on your behalf. Just forgive. If you need to forgive, just forgive. Just forgive. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I feel like this second group, as I was speaking, you felt conviction because you've been buying into the culture. You've been taking on a false lament, not born of God's spirit, and you need to repent. If that's you, I need you to stand up. See, this takes courage. It takes courage to repent and say, Lord, forgive me. Because you know what? It's unsanctified mercy and it's charismatic witchcraft. And this is why you can't get breakthrough in your life. <laughs> See, God wants to bring truth where there's deception. 
So Lord, we repent of taking a false lament. I'll repent for you. Father, we repent for taking a false lament. This is a time of intercession. We repent, God, for taking anything that is not born of your spirit, drinking the cup. Lord, we repent of that antichrist spirit that lures the generation to sleep. We repent, God, in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask you for your forgiveness. Can we do that in this room? Let's just all stand up before the Lord. If we can just all stand up before the Lord. It's not about a person. Father, we ask you for mercy. We ask you for healing. We ask you for healing, Lord. Oh, Jesus. We ask you for your forgiveness, for making the culture an idol. We ask you to forgive us for idolatry. We take off this false lamenting. Put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Put on the garments of praise. Take it off of you. Ask him to remove it off your life.
your hands. Father, we pray that you would take your Jeremiah's in this season, crying for their families. It's not enough just for the mothers to do it alone. We honor you men, but we pray the Lord would give you grace in this season to stand for your families, to stand for righteousness. I'm gonna close with this. I pray, Lord, for the men, that the men would become the reapers in this season over their own blood, their own families, Lord. Where the enemy has come to take the family and devour, we pray for righteousness over the men of God in the name of Jesus. No more false laments. No more. And we cover these women. We say, women of God, your tears are going to be a touch point.
We hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church. If this podcast has blessed you, we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend. To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com. 